Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Brian J. Henderson. And I'm your co-host, Gregory Turner. Greg, how are you doing today? Man, I'm blessed. I'm yes, blessed yes. and ready. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I think we're going to have a great show tonight. Oh, yeah. We are. You know, Greg, I was thinking about how my day went today. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a blessed day, but I was just so busy. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, you ever go through a situation where you're just so busy that sometimes you just forget that the Lord is there? You know what I mean? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, you can get so busy and you're doing things and you're just consumed by the ways of the world. And, you know, we have to be careful when we do that. We yes, have to yes. really be careful. You know, I was, I was, you know, just working away, working away, working away. And then for some reason, I just started singing a gospel song. I don't even remember what the song was. And it made me think about, you know, for the Lord to come to you. Even when you think you're that so, so busy, the Lord will still just speak to you in a soft, still voice. That's right. You know, and he'll, he'll even elicit praise out of your subconscious mind. That's right. <laughs> God is good, man. That's right. You know, so many times we go through things in a day between breakfast and dinner. There's a lot that happens. There's a lot of people suffering. There's a lot of people going through things. But I'm here to tell you. God would give you that peace in that situation like you never would believe if you trust and believe in him. He'll make a way. Actually, he's already made a way. Yes. He's already made a way. And, you know, Brian, you see people walking around, the shoulders are heavy because there's so much weight on them. And you just don't know what that person is going through. You don't know what that woman dealt with the night before. You don't know if... If that woman has been raped and she's dealing with that or, or a child is missing or a child has been raped, you just don't know. Right, right. You know, and that's why I just thank God for the way that he's blessed me and the way that, you know, that he's allowed me to see those type things when they go on. You know, the particular place where I work, there's a lot of people that, you know, they don't necessarily, well, I won't say they don't know God, but you can't see God in them. And so I try to, you know, I try to just, I come to work happy. I come to work and I'm happy and I'm talking to everybody. And even though I could be doing something busy, 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 I will never not say a hello or how you doing or just give them a word of encouragement. Because what I've realized is just that one second that I stop to give them a smile, they can see the light in me. You know, a lot of times, Brian, these people, they just don't understand. They don't know what it means to, you know, when when people, I'll say church people, come to them and they say certain things. They don't know. They don't really understand sometimes. And sometimes they just need somebody to break it down to them. Yeah. And sometimes they need that teacher that knows exactly what to say and when to say it. And God is that teacher. If the vessel, us being the vessel, would listen to God and let him speak through us and not us try to speak out in what we think into this person, you'll lose them if you do that. You'll lose them. It's it's a very sensitive situation, so you have to allow God to speak through you. And the man that we have on tonight, he's a teacher. He'll break things down. And, you know, the thing about it, Brian, we all have things that we're dealing with. We're all dealing with something. If you're not dealing with something now, you either just left it or you're just now going back into it. But that's just that's just how it is. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited about the our special guest tonight. And I tell you, somebody's going to get a breakthrough tonight. I, I truly believe that. Yes, yes. Tonight's guest is Pastor T.D. White. We told you he was coming back, and he's back <laughs> with us. Dr. White. I'm sorry. I don't know if he's a doctor or not. Yeah, he's a doctor. <laughs> Look, he's a doctor in the word. There you That's go. Good. That's good. <laughs> but Pastor White is uh, the senior pastor and founder of Rock Interna- of the Rock International Ministries, 
located in Jackson, Missouri. And uh, Pastor White, are you on? I'm here. All right, he's there. He's Welcome ready. again to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Thank you for coming on. Yes, and tonight's show is entitled Joy. Wow. <laughs> Joy. See, I like saying that word. It just sounds good. <laughs> Joy. You know, you can only, God is the only one that can give you that. That's it. He's the only one that can give you that. And, and Pastor White, we just thank you so much for taking a little bit of your time to come and, and help us and teach us and just fellowship with us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Thank you. You know, while, while you guys were doing your dialogue, you know, I was uh, listening and um, it just amazes me how God will connect and put things together. I knew the title of the show was Joy, but I made a subtopic for myself. Now, if I can just get at a subtopic to this show, I, I'll call it Joy in Knowing. Mm-hmm. And and as you guys were dialoguing, I counted five or six times you used the word know or knowing. And that just lets me know that the Holy Ghost is serving in this place tonight. And the word that is going forward tonight, this this is not just a mere interview, but it, it's definitely a, a life-changing event for somebody. Yes. Because there's there's a joy in knowing. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. You know, Pastor White, tell me, what does joy mean to you? Joy is the ability. Well, I think of the word joy. I think of the of the ability to relax. The ability to to be in without worry. If I was to make a definition up on my own, I would say the ability to be in a situation without worrying, because joy is when you have no worries, you have no sorrow. The joy of, of the Lord is our strength, what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And when you have a joy of the Lord, that means you have no worries, means you have no sorrows. It's the joy in knowing that the Lord is our strength. And, you know, Proverbs 4 and 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. But it doesn't end there. The verse completes by saying, and with all thy getting, get an understanding. And before you can really understand that verse, you have to be able to take that verse and, and break it down and dissect the context of what is in that verse. Yeah. define the words in there. I mean, you look at the word joy. I'm sorry, you look at the word understanding. You look at the word wisdom. You know, what is wisdom? You know, what is understanding? You know, until we're able to to define those things, that verse to us is, is saying something, but what is it saying? You can't really understand that and interpret it, you know, to any benefit of yourself without really understanding. And I, I just want to talk about that just for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, wisdom is knowing from experience. You know, when you've gone through something, if you had a bad experience in a relationship before, you know, you should learn what to do and what not to do in your next relationship. That's wisdom. When you choose a different method of handling things that cause you heartache the first time around, those things are considered wisdom. That's a difference than understanding. Now, when I think of the word understanding, Understanding why your previous method failed is priceless. Mm. See, that's a difference. Wisdom, you, you pick it up from experiencing things. But understanding is where God wants you at. Proverbs 4 and 7 says, Wisdom is a principal thing, and with all that things, get, un- get understanding. Understanding the concept goes much deeper than just the pure wisdom. You know, wisdom can be achieved unsolicited, but understanding requires effort and intentional research. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing that we have to come to when, we, when we, we want to understand the Word of God. We want to understand our circumstances. We want to understand why we're going through such a thing. It, it's okay to learn from what you're going through, but now you have to put some effort forth to research why you went through that. Why did this happen? Why did it happen? Yeah. That's always key to find out why. 
And, you know, Pastor White, we go through trials and tribulations. The Bible says that that's going to happen. We we know it's going to come. We know we're going to be in the valley. We know that life is going to happen. We're going to lose a loved one. Uh, we're going to bring somebody else into this world. You know, the, the, the good the good things and what we think the bad things, they're going to happen. Mm-hmm. So do you think we just don't understand that? When it, so you know when the when the bad things happen, you think we don't have a true understanding and knowing that God has already prepared victory for us while we're going through. Absolutely. See, we we can know certain things by reading the scriptures and 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 catching a good word, you know, from the pulpit. You know, and if I told you why something happened you say, oh, okay, that's why it happened. Mm-hmm. But for you to personally understand why this happened, that, that that means new right to you now. Now nobody has to explain to you. You can look at it and you can explain it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. You know, when you, when you go through a training method on a job and you're learning a new job, it's one thing to be able to remember what to do next and where to go next, you know, on this job. But when you get to the point where you can teach that to somebody else, now you have a true working understanding of what you're doing. Yes. And and because of our lack of knowledge and our lack of understanding, a lot of us fall short, you know, in our faith. And and the reason why I can have, you know, unmovable faith when I'm going through things is because there's certain things that I've learned to understand, you know, and, the, the book that I'm writing right now is called Mixing Families Holy Ghost Style. And um, just to briefly touch on that, I mean, um, mixing families cannot be effectively achieved by mere wisdom. Yeah, we've seen stuff happen from our last marriage, and yeah, we've watched other people with mixing, blending families, and we can learn from that, you know, some, some wisdom, but that's not in totality the answer that you need. You know, seeking God for explanation and discovering why your stepchild refuses to carry on a conversation with you, that's the beginning of a healing process. When you begin to find out why, yeah, my my child won't talk to me, you know, my stepchild, you know, she uh, won't look at me, you know, and you all things run run through your mind and you you want to say the child's just hard-headed, you know, and need to be whooped. But do you really understand what's going on with that child? Right. Have you made an effort to find out why you get this reaction from this child? You know, once you have an understanding, now you begin. Now you can begin to apply the wisdom you have gained by selecting the best method of researching. You know, for this rebellious child. I mean, so it's, it's one thing to um, let's say to have the wisdom. Another thing to know how to what to do with that wisdom. Now, I got this wisdom. Now, what do I do with it? If you don't understand, you got wisdom and don't know what to do with it. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our guest is pastor and author T.D. White. If you have a comment or a question, our call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. You know, Pastor White, you said something that, that kind of struck me when you're talking about your second book. <clears throat> you know, nowadays you see a lot of blended families. Absolutely. I guess that's the term that they use now. You know. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I can remember there's a local radio host, and he's always talking about his blended family. Mm-hmm. You know? And, um, you know, it's it's not necessarily a, an easy thing to blend a family. Because you may have you different, do. you know, mindsets coming in. You may have different discipline methods. You may have different teaching methods. You you may have different traditional things that you do as a family, you know that you know maybe that the the other half of the family doesn't know about or doesn't like or is not accustomed to, mm-hmm. you know. So tell us how how difficult. You know, and you know I know you probably have a lot of this information in the book, so you don't have to reveal too much mm-hmm. of it. But how difficult do you believe it is for? Let's I give you an example. Let's how difficult is it for families of faith? To blend. That's my first question. 
And that's what my book is about, Mixing Families Holy Ghost Style. The book that I'm writing is, is Mixing Families as Believers. You know, everybody won't be able to relate to this book if they don't believe in God. Because the, te- the teaching that I'm putting in, in the book is biblical teaching. And first of all, Brian, we, we, we start with that. You asked me how hard is it, you know, to blend a family. Well, first of all, how hard is it to to manage, you know, your uh, primary family? I mean, uh, Amen. <laughs> before the divorce ever came about, you know, obviously something went wrong there. Or there wasn't, or there wouldn't have been a divorce, right. you know. And so we're dealing with now double trouble, mm-hmm. opposed to the initial. See, the initial challenges in marriage are going to always be there, and when you start a, a marriage, a second marriage, where you have, especially if you have children involved in it, and both you've been married, now you're dealing with double trouble. You, you got you got the devil hitting you from all corners now. See, one thing that we have to understand, divorces aren't always caused by adultery or spousal abuse. Some divorces are a result of misunderstanding. Too many matters begin with no counseling or any other source of knowledge of what you're getting into. You know, and what we we run into is we have have guys wanting to handle their wives like they handle their girlfriends. Mm -hmm. We have women... Mm -hmm. You know, they used to hang out with mama all the time and shop with mama, and now that they're married, they want to have to be okay with their husband. You know, and the Bible talks about when a man and a woman comes together, you know, they ought to leave their mom and dad and cleave to each other. Yeah. You know, and a, a lot of young marriages particularly are challenged because of the very things that I just finished saying. The fact that the boyfriend is thinking he's still got a, no, I'm sorry, the husband is thinking he's still got a girlfriend. The fact that the woman still thinks that she got a right to hang out with mama 24-7, you know, and not give any time to her home or her husband. The devil is a liar, and God isn't in it. There has to be a bond made at home. Your husband, your spouse, your husband and your wife has to be your, your primary concern now. That's biblical. I didn't just make that up. Right, right. You know, and I, I guess you kind of answered my second question. My second question was actually going to be, how hard do you feel it is for those who don't believe? And I guess you said the first thing they have to do is they have to believe in order for it to make it work. So, you know, but even with that, you know, because the fact that you have believers that are, you know, starting second marriages, and let's just assume that, Maybe there was a, a sibling that, or a parent, or one of the spouses, maybe it passed away, and mm-hmm. you know you have those emotional issues that you um, that you that you're bringing in. Maybe that child is saying, "Hey, my mama died, and I don't want no new mama," you know, or "Hey, my daddy died, and you ain't my real daddy because he dead." You know what I mean? You know, and that is, there was a lot of other issues that you that that I'm sure you probably write this in your book now, but <laughs> you know, but tell yeah, us that, about that. That's huge because that's one of the areas where I say the parent ought to probe and and try to get answers because that's that's pretty um surface, you know, yeah, everybody knows that the mama died or the daddy died. So that that's on the surface. Now the parent's job is to dig beneath that and find out what is it that you are missing so greatly. I mean, um, of course you're going to miss your mom, you're going to miss your dad, but what is it that's causing you to feel this way about this person? You know, because, first of all, I'm sorry, let me back up just a minute, because we were talking about something before we got to this question, and I hate to, to stop a question in the middle, but I want to clarify something. Um, I didn't say that, non-believers can't have successful marriages. Okay. Um, what what I was saying is the book that I'm writing is for believers. Oh, okay. And, and so non-believers out there, you know, if they are going to take some kind of premarital uh, classes that can help them, you know, lead successful marriages, glory to God, you know, but the teaching that I'm doing is from a biblical standpoint. Okay. And they may not understand because my Bible tells me that I cannot expect the carnal to understand spiritual. Okay. 
So that, that that's what I was saying. But yeah, I, I don't know anybody out there, you know, who may not, you know, be believers to to be thrown and and take that and twist it. That that's not what I say. Right. right. <laughs> you know, but um, but back to the um, the parents. You know, the loss of a parent is is huge. You know, and a lot of times it ain't just the the children that um have to deal with that. That's yeah. that's a that's that's a time to remarry. They need to make sure that they're over that, hmm. because that that is where the biggest confusion comes in a in a marriage when you have a deceased spouse and you marry again, because you didn't leave that spouse because you was upset and mad at them. They died, right. and so you so you still had a genuine love for that spouse, but yet you're trying to carry on a new life, and you pull somebody else's life into your life. And when you begin to to show more affection and more love for the deceased, now you've got a problem in your present marriage because, yeah, I'm sure this person can have sympathy for you and they empathize with the fact that you've lost somebody, but in their mind, I'm your husband now. What about me? I'm still I'm living. I'm here. You know, and so that's what I would be concerned about, you know, more so than, then um, the child, the, the child will will get better as they get an understanding. I just can't say enough about understanding because, and life in general would be so much easier if we understood where we were going. Mm-hmm. If we understood day to day why we had to do this thing or why that thing that couldn't happen or why that thing that didn't happen or why that thing that did happen, you know, we wouldn't be so confused and scratching our heads, you know, wondering. God wins, but it's not for us to understand everything. But but a lot of things God wants to understand. Right. You know, some things we won't understand until we get to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'd have to throw it in there because <laughs> I don't want people, you know, getting off the line tonight believing that they're going to um, have the opportunity to understand everything because God won't tell you everything. That's right. But there are some things that you have to be willing to work to understand. Yeah. Understanding don't just come freelancing. Understanding comes come by working research. Right. You can you can gain wisdom by sitting and going through some things, but you don't get understanding the same way. All right. You know, so many people um, are falling to the wayside right now because they see things and they take them as face value. They mm-hmm. just grab it, and that's what it is. You know, they don't really look into it and say, well, maybe this is happening because of this. Maybe this is happening because of that. At some point, at some point, when will someone get to the point where they'll say, you know, you know what, I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting with this. I'm tired of this coming up. You know, it just keeps returning in my life over and over and over. I need to get into church. I need to find someone that's going to speak life into me. I need to know what the Word says. But you know I'm speaking from a man's point of view. A lot of men won't do that. Mm-hmm. They won't. I think what what we do is we hold on to what we think, and we figure that's it. We We have the answer, but we don't because we're still going through it. How would you talk with someone or a man that you know that, that's dealing with something like this, what would you say to him as far as trying to bring him in and give him the word? Well, a lot of times when we look at surface things and and refuse to go deeper, you know, I mean, um, I, I hate to to use language like this, but the, 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 the average American is, is lazy. Too often, too often we rely on hope, and we resist learning. You know, learning requires effort. You know, but the average American chooses to take the road with least resistance. Matthew seven and thirteen says this: It says, "Enter ye at the street gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life." and few there be that find it. Now, the reason that few find it is not because it's a mystery. It's not because this road is hidden. 
the truth is only a few put forth the effort to find this understanding. Yes. You know, it's it's an effort thing, you know, and um and that's one of the things right now, you know, as I'm as I'm putting together this men's conference for next year, you know, um, I've, I've solicited a few different men to help out, you know, with um, gathering registration and doing such things, you know. But God has let me know that I can't include everybody in this vision. That's right. Because everybody don't have the the drive to work like I do. Mm. Everybody can't see my vision. And when you have a vision of, of your own, you're going to work hard to see it come to pass. You know, and um, one of those things that I guess God has gifted me with is I don't I don't mind getting out to the nitty gritty. I don't mind doing what it takes to see something come to pass. You know, and I may not have answered your question completely as far as relating to men particularly, mm-hmm. but but whether we're speaking of men or women, you know, I will lead them to this scripture that I just read, Matthew seven and thirteen. You know, I, I will lead them there and explain. This is what you're looking at. I mean, um, you can take some time, get you a concordance, get you a Bible dictionary, and understand what the Word is saying, or take it at face value and misunderstand it. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. And tonight we have on pastor and author T.D. White. You know, Pastor White, you're talking about your men's conference. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you hope to gain by having? Well, I take that back because you hope to gain when you hope to win souls of Christ. Absolutely. What do you? Um, what is your theme for this conference? Men united for one cause. Ah, I like <laughs> that already. <laughs> and that and that one cause is. Yeah, we, we we want to to gain souls for the body of Christ, but at the same time, my 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 folk. I know where you're going with that question because, I mean, I feel you, and I'm gonna give you the answer that that you were about to ask for. Um, the thing that God gave me to achieve was was building the men in the body of Christ, you know. And my wife is my co-pastor. You know, I have no problem with women preaching from the pulpit, so don't misunderstand me. Mm-hmm. But Across America right now, if you look around, probably in your ministry and and down the road, the next ministry, you see that the majority of the church is being operated now by women. Men are neglecting their earthly duties for no other reason than, I guess, not wanting to put the effort to, to achieve what it takes because the first thing, you know, they will tell you is that, well, I'm not called to do that or I don't know how to do that. Well, what are you doing to prepare yourself? You know, and what God has given me is that over the next several years, if men don't get off their behinds now and start getting themselves together with knowledge of the Word, it starts with knowledge of the Word. That's where it starts at. But if we don't get up and do something now as men, men won't have a place in the church 15, 20 years down the road. Hmm. You know, and that and that that's what God's doing with me right there is trying to get the body of men to come together and start doing what they're supposed to be doing anyway. Right, right. You know, it's funny because I've talked with um with actually several people over the last couple of months about the issue of women preachers because I used to be kinda teeter tottery about, you know, the fact that women would preach, you know, because I read the Bible it says women's supposed to be silent in the church and so forth. Mm-hmm. You know, but then in reading a few scriptures and actually talking to people, I, I started thinking about it. I said, you know, God's going to get his message out some kind right. of way. That's right. And he's going to get it out to whoever is willing to to say it. Absolutely. You know, and they're talking about where they were all, there were, you know, there were no, you know, there were all, all the prophets were men. That's not true. There was actually a prophetess. That's right. You know, and he said, well, the, the, um, and the, there were all 12 disciples. Yeah, but the first person to proclaim that Jesus was Lord was a woman. Was a woman. You know, and so, you know, you can't say that that woman can't 
tell you about Jesus Christ or that woman can't teach you about God because if she's willing to be that vessel that God is choosing to use, remember, God said the rocks will cry out. That's right. You know, if, he he, said, if, he, if he used a rock, he used a woman. I mean, he's used a bush. He's used a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> he will use whatever he chooses to use. Absolutely. You know, and so if there's not a man out there that's willing to step up into his rightful place as the leader, then God's going to still get his glory. And if he has to go and use the, a woman to get his glory, you know, God is not going to be denied. He is a jealous God. Absolutely. And the one thing you don't want to do is make God jealous. Because <laughs> if he wants to use you, he well, first of all, he's going to use you, he's going to use you. That's right. Whether you want to be used or not. That's Either right. you're going to be used to give the example or you're going to be the example. That's good. I'm gonna begin to shout in a minute. That's good. You know, and that's you know, and 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 so when you said that, I was like, wow. You know, he. I said, how many times have I talked about that? (laughs) You know, but you know, getting back to um to the topic that we're talking about today, I got a I got a good good question. All right. And and you may have already answered this. But I want you, I want I want you to take a stab at it. Okay. What do you believe that children? Well, I'll ask this. What do you think children define joy as? And first, before you answer, the reason I ask this question is because uh, when I was I, I teach Bible study at my church, uh-huh. and I asked the question. Uh, uh, to the kids, and uh-huh. each of them gave a different right answer. I believe it. <laughs> you know, and so what it what it told me is that children have a sometimes have a better understanding of you know of a question than all these quote unquote learned adults. And so mm-hmm. that's 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 kind of my question. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think a child would Consider joy being. See, when when I answered the question initially about what joy was, I answered it as not having to worry, mm-hmm. you know, not having any sorrows. And when I think of a child experiencing joy, I think of the very same thing: a child that is able to be a child, a child that is not put, you know, in a position where they have to keep up with their baby brothers or baby sisters all the time. Ah. A child that is able to live a, live a life as a child, you know, run across the street and play with Susie. They can run to the park and play with Jim Bob down there. You know, that that's joy, getting able to have those evenings after school that we all enjoy without worry or sorrow. That, that's what I would think that a child would, would – that's what I think what joy would mean to a child is just to be able to have fun. And, and that's what kids want to do, have fun. You know what? I I, I watch kids all the time. And if you watch kids, they'll run through the house and they'll jump. They're constantly jumping <laughs> when they're having a good time. They yes. jump. And I think see, my kids have a good time every day. Yeah, because yeah, they jump. You, you you watch them. If you just pay attention to them, they're constantly jumping. It's a reason they're jumping now. They're not right. jumping just to jump. And one thing that we adults have forgot how to do, we forgot how to jump. And when you're in church and you you see that spirit get on somebody, what do they do? They jump. That's the first thing that they do is jump. My, my, my. So we need to stop playing around and, and, and accept what God has given to us and, and learn the word and know that victory is ours even in the midst of our storm. Mm-hmm. He's already worked it out. Mm-hmm. Before it even became a problem to you, it was already worked out. That's right. So joy is there. A lot of times we fight it. Yeah. A lot of times we fight what God is trying to bring to us. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you if you look back and you think back over the prayer that you prayed, he's really answering it the way he wants to answer it. That's it. That's it. But we're not receiving it because we think he's supposed to do it the way we want him to do it. Mm-hmm. And once we really understand, like you said, understand, we'll have that joy 
and we'll go back to those young days of when we used to just jump, just jump. And people, that, everybody said, what's wrong with him? He, he, that's joy. joy. Yeah, I start laughing when you said that because i got a seven-year-old stepson that he can't walk through the house without leaping and jumping. and <laughs> he, He's very athletic, but the kid just jumps all the time. He, if, he ain't, if he ain't jumping, he's skipping. Yeah. That's happiness. <laughs> that's that joy. That's that you know, joy. And, and that is the joy of knowing that he don't have any worries or any sorrows. That's right. You know, if if mom and daddy are going through financial burdens or whatever have it may be, that kid don't have those same burdens. That's right. They have a joy in knowing that whatever they need, it's already worked out. That's right. And now, you know, when you, I'm sorry, but when you, um, Look at kids across town that don't have everything they need. They still can attain that joy in knowing that they don't have to worry about the things that um, are going on with their parents. Now, some some kids get weighted down. I've seen some kids, you know, sit on the stoop, you know, with their head down because what has happened is those kids have been weighted down with the burdens of their parents. Because mama's going through, little Susie, 12 years old, got to stay home all day after school, watching her four-year-old sister. While the other kids are out playing and skipping and playing jump rope, you know, she's sitting at home babysitting, you know. And, and when you see a, a child with his head bowed down, they need to check with that parent because something's going on. Yes. The answer isn't always in that child. Yes. The answer is in that parent. Mm-hmm. It's a reason that child is not jumping. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong now. Somebody has stole their joy. That's right. That's right. You know, you hear the old folks say that the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. Yes. You know, God gave me this joy. See, as a child, you don't have an understanding. The world can't snatch your joy. See, when, when, you, when, you are, when you are a mature saint, you learn how to defend people from snatching your joy. But when you're just a baby, your joy can be stolen. That's right. And that's what has happened. Yeah. Mm. You know, Pastor White, I, I kind of asked that question because it led me to, because uh, your answer actually led me to this as well. You know, if you go to Matthew 18.3, the Bible says, And verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, uh-huh. and not enter the king into the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, and it made me that's what, and that's kind of like why I asked that question about, you know, what do you think a child considers joy? Because Jesus says we have to have childlike. the the childlike attitude when it comes to Him. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how. When they talked in the, in the Bible, they talked about the story about the kids just wanted to go and just touch Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the adults were like, move, move away, get away from him, you know, mm-hmm. leave him alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and he said, y'all got to be like them. Mm-hmm. See, all you know, they wanted to do is just touch him. Ooh, that's Jesus. Let me just touch him. And we get so caught up with the, oh, that is Jesus. Don't just touch him. You have to revere him. No, Jesus just wants you to touch him. That's it. That's it. You know, and and if you get the opportunity to pick up the book, let me break it down. One of the chapters in there is on miracles. You know, and in the chapter talking about miracles, I use these same scriptures and talk a little bit about children and their childlike faith. You know, and that's what that verse is referring to. As adults, we want to analyze everything. We want to, you know, um, we we don't want to, now if it's something that we need to analyze, we don't want to analyze it. <laughs> but but if, if it's something that requires faith, now we want to well check it out. Mm-hmm. You know, and a child, if if I told my child that I was gonna take care of, of their school bill, they had get uniforms for band, whatever it is, that it's done. Daddy said he's going to do it. That's it. I ain't worried about it no more. So they're going about their way. They're going, you know, skipping and doing whatever they're doing because Daddy said he's going to do it. Now, when God has told you he's going to make a way for you, 
you don't have you need to have that childlike faith knowing that it's already done and get on about your business and do whatever you're already doing because that is already spoken. That's what that verse talks about. It says, you know, be converted as a child. We have that childlike faith in knowing that it's done. You know, and that's one reason why children are more capable of receiving miracles because they, they, they'll, they'll, they believe God with all their heart. They don't have enough sense to doubt him. You know what? If we look back over our lives, all the things that we've worried about, God brought us out of it. Mm-hmm. He's brought us out of it. But mm-hmm. then we, every time trials and tribulations come or life comes at us, the first thing we do is we want to question everything. We want to isolate ourselves. And that's the worst thing that we could do. All we have to do is just look back. He brought me out of this situation. He brought me out of that situation. He's going to bring me out of this situation. That's it. If he brought you know, it to you, he's, he's prepared you for it. You can you can handle it. You can handle the things that you don't think you can handle. Mm-hmm. He's pre- you are prepared. You are fully prepared for it because he will not let it consume you. Mm-hmm. He won't do it. You know, three or four years ago, you know, I came to the conclusion, you know, that what you just said, I look back over my life and I see all the things that God has brought me through. You know, when folks see me going through some things and they wonder how can you go through and still be smiling and doing things the way you're doing. Because I understand that if God brought me out of this thing before, he'll bring me out of that thing. You know, and my mind is made up, you know, it don't matter what I'm facing. It ain't always comfortable, but I have the joy in knowing that God's got already worked out for me. That's right. Now, does that mean that it's always going to have a, a positive result? Sometimes God will allow you to lose things and things that happen because one or two reasons. One reason, he might have something greater for you. Another reason is you just didn't need that. And so whenever, when people lose things, when people lose things, you need to be able to accept because it it just might be a game. Hmm. Losing is not always subtracting from your life. Sometimes losing something is addition to your life. Amen, amen. Well, that was for me right there. <laughs> Glory to God. Man. God is good. You know, Pastor White, I, I want to go to the phones right now. But before I do that, I'm going to ask you just just a simple question. Why do you think you're able to be joyful? Why do I think I'm able to be joyful? Well, I mean, um, basically, I, I think that I'm joyful because of what I know. I mean, um. That's what I've been saying here for a little while, and it's all in knowing. I mean, like I said, it's one thing to have gone through something, you know, to help me. But because I understand now why I went through that and I understand how not to go through it again, I can have joy. I can have joy knowing that everything I want is not lined up like it should be because I understand who I serve and how he operates. And how he operates is not always how I expect him to operate. Hmm. It's a faith walk. You don't you don't uh, have joy by looking at your circumstances and saying, "Okay, everything is in order. Everything is like I want it." That doesn't that ain't that. If you're looking for that kind of joy, you're looking for the wrong thing because this is a faith walk. And when the Bible talks about faith, you know, it it, it describes faith as a substance of those things hoped for. And evidence of the things not seen. Yeah. Not not seen. You know, that's the key word, not seen. That's the key phrase. And I got joy in knowing what God has already got prepared for me, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're going to go to uh, our callers now. Let's go to caller in the 972 area code. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. 
Thank you. It's nice to be here. Yeah. Do you have a comment or a question for author, Pastor T.D. White? Yes, and it may be not exactly what you're expecting. Whenever I come across a pastor or a pastor comes across my path, I just think about this question that I'm about to ask him. And how did you become a pastor? I know that that it, it is a calling. You're called by God. I do believe that. But I always wonder how a particular pastor, how do they know that that is the call that God has for them? That's a real good question. That that's a question that a lot of pastors should ask before they become pastors. And you know, then we wouldn't have some of the, the things we have going on in churches. But the the way that I knew that God had called me to pastors because of the circumstances that were going on in my life and and some of the answers that God gave me. God literally speaks things, and you have to be able to hear God with a spiritual ear, so to speak. Sometimes that voice is very silent. Sometimes that voice can can be pretty loud, you know. But just knowing the course that God has has me in my life, I knew a long time ago that that it would come a time for me to actually pastor my own church. And when that time came, I began to realize things in the church that I was in beginning to change. I began to realize things that were happening. I was beginning to hit my head on a roof, so to speak. I topped out in some things. God was using me to, to plant more seeds, you know, than, than what I was getting, so to speak. And so when, when, when he spoke to start a church, I wasn't surprised because he had already shown me signs leading up to. Does that answer your question or you need some more? Um, it, it does, yeah. All right, thanks for calling. Thank you. You know, Pastor White, that's an interesting question that she asked. Absolutely. I've I've heard, and your answer was actually, you know, I I didn't expect the answer you gave. You know, it was kind of like, whoa, that's one I hadn't heard. (laughs) You know, because you always, sometimes you get the the stately answer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh well, the Lord called me because I have a do- a job to do for Him, you know. <laughs> oh. Absolutely, you know. And, and and that's what we're talking about here tonight. We're talking about um that surface answer. Mm-hmm. If that's all they can give you, I'll tell you they don't know. Right, right. You know, and, and I and I think really the answer is, you know, if somebody if I was called, which I don't believe I'm called, um, but if I was called, I think the answer that I would give is because. You know, I got work to do, <laughs> and that work is something that that only I can do. You know, because that's that's you know, I mean, that's really what it is. You know, God before God calls you, you know, He definitely is going to qualify you for the job. Uh huh. You know, so He's going to qualify you first because He's not going to put you out there where and you're not qualified. That's right. You know? And sometimes when when He uh oh, sorry about that. Sometimes when He qualifies you. You know, sometimes you got to be quantified, you know. That's and, right. and what I mean by that is sometimes you got to go through. Mhm. You know, sometimes you're going to be you're going to be tried by that fire. Because That's right. when because the thing is when you're out there to save souls and you're out there to win souls to Christ, you got to understand what they went through. That that's it. And when you when you use the word qualify, think about it. When you qualify something, if you're working on an assembly line, and your qualifying product, what do you do? You test it. Mm-hmm. You test it against destructive method to see if it can uphold. Right. You know, and if you if you if you're qualifying for for an Olympic race, you're going to run several races to see if you can hold up. Mm-hmm. And so the word qualified means just what it says, and people take that word and they want to just make it um a generic word, I'm qualified, what, ask them what does it mean? What does it mean to be qualified? See if they can tell you. Right. They can't, if they can't answer that, they probably ain't qualified. Mm. You know, Pastor, that, that made me think about something else, about, you know, the problem that I think we have in the body of Christ is that there are too many people who don't know 
what the meaning, you know, who who are called, you know, and if you could look at me, you could see me putting up my whatever sign, <laughs> who mm-hmm. are called, quote, unquote, but they're not qualified. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason they're not qualified is because they don't understand what qualified means. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, because you'll, you'll, you'll go to a place and, you know, let's say it's a 1,000 members. They got 50 pastors, mm-hmm. you know, and clearly... You know, it's like everybody can't be, you know, there's not everybody in here, you know, everybody in here can't be a pastor. You can't have 50 sons and there's 1,000 people in here, you know. That's right. You not, know, not, not with 1,000 people, no. You know, you know what I mean? But that's, yeah. you know, and sometimes you'll see that, you know. You can't have, you know, if, if you got 80 members in your church and, and five pastors, you know. That don't add up, does it? it? It doesn't add up, you know. I mean, you can have... Folks who who are called to proclaim the word, uh-huh. but not everybody has been equipped to be a pastor. And you know, you don't start a church today and tomorrow. You know, you got five hundred sons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and I think it's just sort of like you, you have this movement where people are looking at it like, okay, if I can if I can sing a good song, if I can make somebody jump out their seat and get that temporary joy. See, that's what is. That's what I see in the body of Christ now, and it's a sad thing that people get that quick, instant gratification. You know, gratification is I'm gonna use that's that's my new word, Greg. Okay. Gratification. <laughs> that, that's just for the church. <laughs> you know, they get that instant gratification, and I know if my sister's listening, she's probably yelling. I know he ain't used that word, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, they get that instant gratification. And then when they leave, it's empty. That's it. You know, because it wasn't it wasn't joy. It wasn't something because you know joy lasts. Joy is not something that's gonna come away from you. You know, as long as you hold on to the spirit, you got joy. Mm-hmm. As long as you hold on to to Jesus, you got joy. But what happens is if you don't if you don't understand how to hold on to Jesus, you only gonna have joy just as long as you in there where everybody else got it. That's right. You know, as soon as you leave that, you as soon as you leave the building, you know, your joy. You left your joy in there. That's right. I guarantee you. You probably you any church you go into, you rarely see everybody running out the running out the building happy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, and it goes on in every church. And I'm not saying if because everybody's in there not happy, like there should be that there's no spirit in there. You know, but what I'm saying is. If they're really being taught, they walk out with a smile on their face. That's it. If they're really accepting the word for what it is, and they have a, a pastor and a, and a uh, and a leadership team that's really teaching and encouraging people to come to Christ, then they leave happy. They leave with joy. They leave with something that can sustain them until the next time they come back. That's it. The key word is sustain, you know, and Greg and I talked a little bit about this last night, you know, and um it's one thing to get a hoop and a holler and you feel good. You can get a good shot off of that. But if you don't get anything to keep you, what are you doing? If you ain't putting out some meat, some word, some teaching, breaking it down where they can digest it, if I hand you a steak and you can't chew, you got no teeth, <laughs> what, what are you going to do with it? So and in order for me to feed you properly, I need to break that down so you can eat it piece by piece. So, so you can grow healthy. If I hand you a whole steak and you can't digest it, I have to swallow. <laughs> you, 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 might, you may as well not even have it. Oh boy! When you said that, you know, the first thing that came to my mind is how we decorate our houses with Bibles. Mm-hmm. They're all over the place. They're sitting on the coffee mm-hmm. tables and lamps. They have dust on them. <laughs> You might as well not even have it if you're not going to open it. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's like we've de- we, we've got to the point now that we just decorate our house, and we think that that's going to, you know, scare off the enemy, and, and that's going to protect us and this and that. It's more protection in there than you think. Yeah, that's it. It's more protection in there. God is giving you his word, his promise. He's promised us. What are you afraid of? What What is it? 
that frightens us so much about being loved by God. Mm-hmm. Why won't we come to his side? We've been on the other side for all these years, and it's not working. The thing that you're fighting for is not working. Mm-hmm. You're not where you want to be. You know if you're there or not. You're making a million dollars a year. Is not, that's not what I'm talking about. Because those million, that million dollars will not feel void. Mm-hmm. There's a void there that only God can feel. Mm-hmm. And once you Absolutely. get tired, once you get tired, at some point you're going to say, you know what, God, I, I, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own because God said when you're at your weakest point, I'm at my strongest point. Absolutely. I, I know we're almost out of time, but I just want to touch on that real fast. So you talk about the Bibles laying around you know, in the houses, and and we don't realize what we have laying around, you know, and, and, and I just want to touch that real fast because some people believe that because they have a Bible in their car and they're driving on the highway, you know, that that's going to keep them from having a wreck. You know, but I want to just say this. It's not merely having the Bible. It's having what's in the Bible right. in your heart. That's right. Yeah. Because when you get caught up in the traffic jam and you're about to run over somebody or somebody about to run over you, if you don't have word in you, word can't come out of you. That's right. What's in you will come out. So if you thought a four-letter cuss word, that's what was in you. You know, people, I've heard people, you know, slip and they'll still cuss words and say, oop, that slipped. Well, it was in you. <laughs> I mean, it didn't just happen. Yeah. It was in you. Yeah. Because if you have the word of God in you, that's what's going to come out. You know, you, I would hate for somebody to end up in a situation where they needed God and didn't have a Bible handy and didn't have any word in them. You know, David put in Psalm 1, uh, 111, 19, hide thy word in, in my heart that I might not sin against thee. But he hid the word in his heart. You know, and we were not retaining enough of the Bible, you know, when we get caught in these spots at work and we don't have, have a Bible with us on our desk. You've got to have some word in you to bring up. Because if it's, if it's not any in, in, in you, there ain't none coming up. That's right. Right, right. You know, it made me, when you said that, it made me think about, you know, having a Bible in your car won't stop you from wrecking no more than having a gun that in your hand that you don't shoot will stop That's you right. from killing somebody. <laughs> you know That's what I mean? It. That's it. I mean, it's useless if you don't know how to use it. That's it. You know? But I tell you, Pastor White, we, man, we just enjoy when you come on because you teach. And I mean, you teach us, brother. I mean, we, I, I learned so much, and, and God just reveals so much through you, you know, that we, we just we just thank you, man. We thank God for you. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm certainly glad to be here, you know, and, and, and I thank God for the words that he sends. Yes, I am chopping Uh Pastor White, if somebody needed, you know, to get in contact with you, you know, if they wanted you to come and speak at their church or at their function, how would they get in contact with you? 573-204-ROCK. That is 573-204-7625. Or they can go ahead and um, send me an email to um, my MySpace. Their MySpace is www.myspace.com slash Pastor T.D. White. Right. And now, what get, about your book? Yeah, How can I'm they get that? that as well. I'm sorry? How can they get your book? The book, they can get the book at barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com or walk into your local bookstore and ask them for it. And the book is called Let Me Break It Down. Let Me Break It Down. Pastor, we have one minute left. I want you to talk to someone right now that's in the valley. I need you to tell them what they can look forward to having. Absolutely. To the person that looks like all hope is gone, just understand that, don't make this real simple. Understand that through Christ we can do all things. It's not about your own strength, because if I looked at life according to my strength, I would fail constantly. But it's about what you can do through what God can do through you. Just keep the faith. 
With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Well, we've met our goal tonight, and that's, have, that's helping others be more, do more, and have more. Pastor White, we thank you. Thank you. We thank you. With that God being bless. Said, good night, everybody. <laughs>